calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast for the second time this week, if indeed you have finished The Last of Us. Uh, if you haven't seen, we did a spoiler cast earlier this week. I think it was the best um, <laughs> of anything, not just spoiler casts, anything you bloody Ooh. like. I'm joined today, however, not to talk about The Last of Us 2 with Jesse Gomez and Matt Perslow. Thank Hello. you for joining me, boys. Hello. Glad to be you here, sound, Joe. You, you sounded so meek, Matt. <laughs> Hello. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just here for the ride. We'll, 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 we'll build up some speed. We'll get yeah, into well, the yeah. Yeah, we need to get we need to get warmed up uh, in a metaphorical sense, not a normal sense. Uh, if anyone from abroad is listening, England is unseason. No, it's not even unseasonably seasonably hot. Yeah. Um, which, by the standards of our friends in the west coast of America, uh, <laughs> makes us look like absolute Cowards. little freaks. <laughs> Coward boys. I keep talking to people, I'm like, oh, it's like 26 degrees. And they're like, let me work that out in Fahrenheit. <laughs> oh, you fucking dickhead, because I'm sitting here just like sweating down my face in well, I mean, Zoom calls all everyone day. Everyone in America is like sick AC, that's fucking super effective, and I'm like a disgusting ice cream just melting. Yeah. It's gross. These... I'll tell you what, old terraced houses were not built for this. <laughs> no. uh, right, before we start talking about anything, I just want to do a quick update on my old charity run that I'm doing in a week that I'm Ooh. terrified about now because it's hot. Um, I was going to say that um, we're really close to the goal, but I have just checked my uh, my Just Giving page, and my goal of £750 has just been smashed Oh. By one Rick Powell, Ooh. who 52 minutes ago gave £125. Damn, that's amazing. And I will say that he says he'll double that donation amount if I shave my moustache off and post a video. <laughs> which, you've really put me under some pressure there, because I like the moustache now. This isn't even ironic anymore. Is it um, not going to grow back quicker, though? And you're doing it for a good cause. Is that, is, that, is that a myth? I don't know. Everyone's always told me that. <laughs> I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I have also been told that um, 
our good friend Joe Beard uh, will double his donation if I do the worm at the end, or at least <laughs> attempt the worm at the end, and I may try that one. One, like, hot floor. <laughs> it's going to be a burden. Uh, yeah, just hot concrete, <laughs> stinking concrete. Um, so thank you very much. That's fucking amazing. Like, I was expecting to have to beg, but I don't have to. What I will do is say that it would be amazing to get to £1,000, which is only £250 away if you can give anything. And I know everyone has been giving to charities right now. It Obviously, it is a strange time and it is a good time to give to a lot of causes. But if you have any money you can give for special effect, uh, you can head to justgiving.com slash IGN UK. I will be running 10 kilometers in July heat. It would be great if we could hit a thousand pounds to make <laughs> it worthwhile for me to do that because fucking hell. Um, I did a run yesterday morning and I nearly fell over. <laughs> Didn't make it home. Uh, apart from... Hot, hot runs, um, so to speak. Uh, we have been watching several streams this week for mm. exciting upcoming games. The recently delayed Cyberpunk was shown off last night, Night City Wire. Uh, and I think we should have a good old chat about it. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 got the, yeah, the Night City Wire, the first of several, apparently, um, streams for this, which is good because I personally... I thought this stream showed less than I was expecting, so I'm, I'm hoping mm. it's kind of parceled out a bit yeah. more. I thought it was yeah. quite an odd mechanic. So, so it showed off what's called brain brain dancing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, which I thought, considering this was the first thing we'd seen in a year, quite an odd, muted, small mechanic to, yeah. to show off. And I'm sure yeah. in, in, in cyberpunk fiction this kind of detective mode system is quite important like we all know Deckard using mm -hmm. the you know the machine where he zooms and enhances and, and tickers around mm. yeah um, <laughs> looks and, around corners impossibly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is an important thing of sort of setting the scene for cyberpunk fiction so i get while it why it was shown I was expecting something much more about choice and consequence mm. and yeah. the scale of the world to be shown for the first time after we haven't seen it for 12 months. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, kind of... Oh, sorry, carry on. I mean, are those not like the kind of things we would expect, though? Because it started with that kind of, you know, bombastic trailer where you see the mm -hmm. driving and the shooting and stuff. And I think it was a little bit... It was a bit more muted, obviously, having that specific gameplay section, but showing off a more like unique kind of mechanic wouldn't that be a bit more interesting compared to seeing the things we've seen already i guess like is it a unique expect. mechanic when it's not, exactly not what's in batman vr yeah, and observer i just think it's nice to see a little bit of a different thing than just other more shooting and driving yeah. i feel like i'm, I'm totally i'm totally happy that they've showed us that this game is a more varied experience and that you're mm. kind of there are those changes of pace um i've seen some like fairly varied reactions to it. I can't decide whether I think Braindance looks a bit boring or really interesting. It yeah. depends how that thing's going to be implemented. Um, but certainly some people aren't really into it and some people yeah. really like the idea. Um, I'm, I have to say, uh, the one thing that, that <laughs> section really convinced me of is that they have not done anything to convince me that this game doesn't feel like it was written by nine-year-olds um, <laughs> who are pretending to be 40-year-old men. Um the I've 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 saved it here so that I can uh, write it down. My favourite bit is uh, 
speedy freaks are ready to pay a preem for a real flatline. I, like, <laughs> I did oh, not know what that meant. <laughs> there was, I saw a really fun quote, well, not quote, like a tweet the other day, which was like, um, me in 1990s reading cyberpunk <laughs> fiction. Why does everyone speak in slang? This is in like weird made up slang. Nobody's ever going to speak about this. <laughs> Flash forward today. And then it was just... I can't remember what it was, but it was a sentence that we'd recognise from today, none of which were real words in the dictionary. Yeah, was we, like, sta- yeah we are sort we of moving away to good to speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd actually, to, to go back to that trailer, like that was the first time I think I remember cyberpunk being presented as something that wasn't like dark and and moody and yeah. evil in some way like them the f- just being like bah, 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 oh, <laughs> cyberpunk time i was like oh this is actually quite fun so in a similar way i think that you know the trailer they showed off in 2018 at the microsoft thing at e3 it was the Which first one was that? it was the first proper trailer for it where it was i think it was a cinematic trailer and it was the one where there was a bit where a hover car lands at a balcony and a bunch of cops come out and shoot oh through yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that was a lot. That set the tone for Cyberpunk, which was not the tone I was expecting. Mm. That was a lot more like Night City is actually quite a cool place. I'm sure it's grim under the surface, but it's mm. not like in Deus Ex, all of the cities are quite grim and they're definitely yeah. places you wouldn't want to live. Whereas yeah. Night City is definitely a place that you don't want to live, but I think it it's got more of a cultural feel to it than I thought. And yes. it's, it's definitely been criticised, and I absolutely agree with these, where those cultures are definitely from a white man's perspective. And there's... there's I've seen sort of a lot of people from Latin American cultures, especially when it comes to Jackie, sort of like saying that he doesn't feel like he's authentically from the culture yeah. that they're trying to perspect him. But to the game's credit, I feel that that world felt vibrant in a way that when people that haven't come to London try to do London, <laughs> what they understand is that they need a vibrancy of Camden versus Brixton versus you know yeah. Whitechapel and all of that. Mm. So I like that about it. It feels, as you say, jazzier than I ever thought Cyberpunk could yeah. be. Mm. What I like, um, Deus Ex always had, which I think is fucking amazing, particularly the the uh, Idos Montreal ones, mm-hmm. Um that mm. feeling of these are s- futuristic cities that have grown up in the spaces between existing old cities. Like, yeah. you yeah. get these, like, beautiful spires amid fucked-up old buildings and ruined churches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what I quite like about Night City from a stylized perspective is it feels like, nah, this we just fucking bulldozed this place <laughs> and it's now spiky, spiky future city. And it feels like authentically 80s cyberpunk mm-hmm. like that kind of that original sense of of the just alienness of mm. this landscape that you I really like although surrounded by the Badlands which is very cool <laughs> and you apparently don't... seeing Night City on the horizon is incredible when you start in the Badlands area oh, I can imagine. Very excited about. the thing I, I think... like about that Badlands side is uh, so I've never played cyberpunk as a tabletop RPG or, you know mm. I've really ever done D&D but it's obviously it pulls a lot of its cues from 2000 AD and that whole idea of Mega City 1 where Judge Dredd sort of operates is in the middle of I don't think they call it the Badlands it's got a different or is it like the Wasteland or Mm -hmm. it's one of those things yeah that idea of fuck zone (laughs) (laughs) but you say the idea of having this mad glittering overly corporate dystopia Mm. in the middle of nothing and that approach to it I think it, it's just such an iconic cyberpunk element that I'm they, pleased um, it's in here. 
they released during the um the countdown timer they they flashed up three hidden screenshots um which they've now released as like 4k screenshots and one of them is night city in the daytime and it looks absolutely beautiful so i was just like my current desktop background was shite so i just stuck this on (laughs) instead but i did realize i was like this looks really cool i look cool for having this and then in the background i noticed that one of the little um LED sort of blinker signs in the background just says poo. I was like, oh, come <laughs> on, CD Projekt Red. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's have some kind of thought of, like, intelligence out yeah. there. Um, it's interesting because, obviously, The Witcher has a very different written style to mm, to anything yeah. in here. And The Witcher's definitely got its points where it feels like some... I think sometimes it can be very mature and sometimes it feels like it's mature because it thinks this is mature. Yeah. Something which I also angle against the TV show as well, so I think it is inherent in the original source material mm. as well. But yeah, I think because of the exaggeration of the satire of the cyberpunk genre, sometimes mm. it comes across a little bit more obviously in cyberpunk. Yeah. BD freaks will pay a preem for a real <laughs> flatline. Um, God, what does that the, mean? Um, what, one thing that we should mention, I think, that's very, very cool is or I think is very, very cool, is that the trailer shows a lot of story. Like, you can really yeah. put together quite a lot of what goes on. And then they did the flex of, like, that's just from the prologue, um, which cool. seems to be the four hours that everyone's previewed as well. So we've got two previews on the site, which is one, Ryan McCaffrey starting as a corporate character and playing through as much of the storyline as he can. And yeah. Miranda Sanchez starting as a nomad character, which starts you in the Badlands rather than in the city and just exploring doing mm. no storyline and mm-hmm. just seeing what's around. Um, they're both well worth reading. I think, like, particularly Miranda's one really illuminated the game in a way that I haven't seen other places do before. Yeah. Um, not other places, even us. That's not me throwing shade at everyone else. <laughs> um, although, you know. Uh, but um, I like this sense that, like, these first four hours are it's somewhat, you know, it feels like you could spend a very long time exploring the city despite being underleveled for certain stuff before yeah. you get to any more story than we've been already told. And mm. it feels now like the Keanu Reeves, um, what's he called? Johnny, Johnny Silverhand, Silverhand. Yeah. moment is the key part of the end of the prologue. Like mm-hmm. that's what kicks you off to the next section of storyline, which yeah. if they continue, I really hope they continue not to reveal anything beyond if they can about yeah. the prologue, maybe aside from mechanics that pop up later, but there's, I'm, I've got like a real hope that that stuff is just completely mm. invisible to us. I mean, presumably, like great. when those uh, like what three starting like characters like their story intersects, essentially, is probably when Johnny Silverhand appears, right? And that's when the story probably becomes well, more I uniform. Think it's more you can a case imagine of when he's like so, a brain implant, right? Yeah, or, yeah. So he's like a ghost in your head, basically. I yeah. think actually the the origin stories intersect more more earlier than that because it's when you get given the first quest in the game because right, you okay. all come from different walks of life to do the mission based on so if anybody hasn't read and you know i'm not going to go into too much detail based on what i know from previews just in case anybody doesn't really want to know but there is a mission that requires you to go and do something with another sort of mercenary style character which is jackie who who's the latin american guy that you've probably seen in a lot of the trailers and that is where i think those opening sort of separate backstories intersects when you're right, okay. and it just means that the story sets it up that you come from different backgrounds you're either mm. in corporate 
and you're finding yourself, I guess, coming down from this weird <laughs> corporate lifestyle into a little bit more of the the trenches, or yeah. you're coming in from outside Night City, um, or I can't remember what was the other one. There's the there's the corpo, there's the uh, nomad who's outside, and then isn't there like a punk or something runner, like that? Right? Oh, is it a netrunner? No, netrunner's a class, isn't it? Life choice, <laughs> cyberpunk. <laughs> Cover for me. um but yeah all of these come together and um yeah sort of like that leads into this opening sort of quest line that will as joe says i think will lead you into johnny silverhand is obviously a major character in this which i actually found Mm. quite interesting because (laughs) as far as i understand from the research i've done around cyberpunk he's not a major character in the tabletop he's part of the lore he's He's obviously. Do you know that he's he's in a band? He's like. Mm. The oh right, okay. Of, I can't remember what that <laughs> is, band is called. Is the band Samurai? It might potentially because Samurai's the one that the that refused are playing, as in like the real band refused are mm-hmm. Samurai in the game, and they right. released some of their songs for the soundtrack. Right. One of which is an Easter egg on the back of the controller <laughs> that you can buy for Xbox, which is mad. That's cool. Um, the other life path is Street Kid. Right. right. Okay. So I guess that's you coming from literally the gutters of of Night City. Yeah. And yeah, I like, I mean, I love the idea of Life Paths, A, because it's a very tabletop RPG thing to do where you have Mm -hmm. a background and that's a lot of RPGs. Mass Effect does this and and stuff like that where you have a background. Like Shepard could have been, could have been a war hero. He could have come from nothing and stuff like that. They don't have an impact on the way you play. Particularly, they don't impact where you start, which is fucking amazing. Like, like placing you in different places in the world Mm -hmm. is such an effective way of dealing with that. Yeah, well, Dragon Age Origins is the only other game that I know of that does that. So Dragon Age Origins has six, I think, prologue chapters, and it depends on if you're... And that's really granular. That's what your race is and what your class Mm. is dictates where you start. Mm. And that's very cool. And so I don't see that done all that often. And I guess it's there's an expense to making content that people won't ever see, right? Yeah, of yeah. course. But that's also why I play RPGs. I want, yeah, absolutely. I want my runs to be different each time. And and so, yeah, that excites me for the possibilities mm. that come later on in the game. I hope those yeah. choices, like, impact, obviously, the later story. Because it would be a shame just to have, like, you know, those... Uh, that opening chapter just to be like star and location and a bit of like flavor text depending on like what kind of star character you choose and then it kind of stops you know after I, the game kicks in i'm guessing i mean this is perhaps unfair because we've seen how much work they're putting into this stuff but my yeah, guess 100%. would be we're looking at a very different opening and then kind of more small scale shifts in narrative based on your background like we've seen in the gameplay previously that you run up against a corpo stooge who like uses you to do stuff and i'm assuming if you're ex-corporate she's going to have very different interactions with you than if you're Mm. like someone completely outside of her sphere of knowledge you know so i think one of the things it does do which is something that divinity does that based on your race and your kind of class and background it will give you what are called tags and those are the things that you'll probably know this from Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls because they do this as well, where yeah. you'll have a, a dialogue option that will only be visible to you if you are of that background. Mm. So corpos will be able to talk to corpos on the same level and they'll know things. Yeah. Your character might automatically know things because of their lifestyle and their background that helps you 
I'm not going to say empathize with a corpo because I don't believe that's a thing that should be done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you because you you think on a similar wavelength, you might be able to crack them, and a street kid wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same uh, thing that Masquerade Bloodlines did with the different clans. Like each clan talks mm. to each other differently and stuff. And I'm hoping the same way Deus Ex has that you know freedom of being able to like tailor your own story depending on your own choices, like no other game has. I'm talking about the original Deus Ex. I yeah, really yeah. hope cyberpunk is able to capture that because the modern really, sexes haven't been able to do that that's in it. my opinion the, i think the problem is that like people keep comparing it to deus ex and i think that's like high praise but mm. particularly the original it's a game based around text conversations you can do oh, wildly yeah, different yeah, yeah, stuff 100%. like i don't we're not gonna get i i think people need Unless I'm wildly wrong and Cyberpunk is one of the most diversely and <laughs> expensively produced yeah. games ever made. That's the uh, thing, like, producing what uh, Deus Ex did will cost so much money yeah, in terms of now. Yeah, we're not going to get, like, being able to kill key characters and the game can continue <laughs> running yeah, in the same yeah. way because it's fully voiced. Like, this, that's so, a struggle. Well, so I know, for, for instance, uh, that you can kill an early boss before they're a boss. Oh, but like that's someone that you could kill further down the line. Sure, that's yeah. a manageable yeah, yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Like whereas Deus Ex literally let you kill people who were oh, yeah. key to the storyline. Yeah, like, doesn't you even know? matter. Like, uh, in you know, it's it's yeah. an odd. It's a comparison that I think unfortunately kind of hamstrings a lot of people when you have to get to this level of mm-hmm. fidelity. Yeah. Um, is there anything in here that, or in previews, that worries you about Cyberpunk? Is there anything you think doesn't sound good? From what I've seen, like a lot of people, because I've read quite a few previews for the podcast, started, everyone's saying that, you know, the UI drive-in and shooting, they're all serviceable. Like, they're kind of okay, but... And that... I think it comes back to Deus Ex, where I'm thinking of, like, in terms of that game, the story is why I'm playing it. It's not necessarily yeah. for, you know, the, the gameplay factor. As long as that is okay, as long as that's good, then and the story is, you know top-notch then i'm gonna be happy but yeah. shooting is one of the things where people are seem to be really worried about and i guess it's understandable yeah. it certainly yeah. looks not amazing but it doesn't yeah. look bad there's nothing about what i've seen of the shooting that makes me yeah. go like this looks like a shit game to yeah. play That's it just like, looks like a normal game when you shoot someone in the head and then you see a health bar appear for me it's like okay now i'm starting to understand how that game is going to play in terms of shooting like it's very mm. clear examples and it's stuff it's weird how we've become acclimatized to the fact that swords feel like they suit health bars <laughs> like i don't mind hitting yeah, someone over, really and over and over and just reducing <laughs> a health bar yeah and it feels odd to shoot someone and they don't immediately take a lot of visible damage mm-hmm. um and i think the thing is i I know that it's called an RPG, and that's obviously because that's how you sell them, because no game is ever sold on the idea of being an immersive <laughs> sim, because yeah. who the fuck knows what an immersive sim is. But I've always felt that there's a reason why Cyberpunk is in first person and not third, and a lot of this comes down to the way that immersive sims work, is they're based on your on like this weird immediacy and intimacy with the environments that you're yeah. in, and mm-hmm. the way that you plan out your approaches. And... I think there's going to be a lot of that to it, which is the gameplay appeals to me on that side of the idea of being able to figure out how I approach something. Am I going to hack my way in? Am I going to fight my way in? Yeah. I probably am going to try to... Well, obviously, it depends on how the shooting feels. We have to point out that this demo, as I said about Outriders a few weeks ago, Mm. was done over cloud-based gaming. So there might Mm. potentially have been a little bit of lack of feedback, which... Definitely people said there was input lag. 
yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah for me i i'm not a great fan of shooting things and having to wait for the health bar to go down unless the game feels built for that destiny feels built for that because it's all about mad waves and Mm. the enemies aren't recognizably human yeah so i feel the fiction fits with with cyberpunk i would have preferred a more immediate visceral there's the word visceral right and it will be visceral because they'll be, yeah i mean you can have mantis blades which fold out of your arms <laughs> and you can tear people up yeah um, the one thing that i have read and if anybody wants to read a really good beat for beat how that four hours plays out uh, i recommend lab bible which a lot mm. of people are just gonna i know people don't like lab bible but um to to untarnish its reputation for what it has uh, my good friend Julian Benson writes for them, and he is a very, very good writer. One of the one of my favourite writers that I've ever he's worked a ledge. with. <laughs> and he's written a. It's thousands of words long, but it will take you through the entire of that demo if you want to know what that prologue is like. That's wicked. But one of the things that he's highlighted that I am sort of like, oh, that's interesting, is the double-edged sword with its immersiveness in terms of you don't know when you're taking quests on because it doesn't do the whole thing of like, here's a person with an exclamation mark over their head. You talk to them. They say, would you like to do a quest? You say yes, and then you go and do it. It's so cinematic that you just end up in conversations and those conversations turn into plot lines. That's exactly Which sounds incredible. Like, that's something that I've wanted forever. But the double-edged sword of that is you sometimes don't know if you're taking (laughs) on things that are taking you into places that you didn't want. Yeah. And it also doesn't highlight things in the world that are usable in order to make that immersion so much and so jules was explaining to me how he chose quite a lot of hacking paths but Mm. didn't know what he could hack Mm. because it doesn't do the deus ex did especially in human revolution highlighted things that were like you can hack this yeah yeah but is that going to be an upgrade because we've seen footage before the of gun UI stuff appearing mm-hmm. only if you have the correct upgrades for it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I fucking love the idea that I have to <laughs> buy a bit of my eyes to be yeah. able to see what I can hack. Like, that totally sells it to me. So if that mm. if that could be a thing, I'm, I'm yeah. super into that. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have to literally build your hacker out with hacking pieces. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah is there no, anything... Uh... Oh, sorry. No, carry on. I was just going to say, is there anything from the next Night City Wire that you definitely want to see? Um, hacking. Because yeah, it 100%. will... So, the thing... Have any of you guys played the Shadowrun games? No. Uh, no. So, so they are, again, based on a tabletop cyberpunk RPG, but it's a fantasy uh, yeah. cyberpunk situation, so there are goblins and elves and shit like that in it. <laughs> but it... So, its equivalent of hacking is deck running. And when mm, you right. plug yourself into the deck it literally changes the entire environment into this weird Tron-like cyberspace where, and there are enemies in them which are kind of the equivalent of firewalls that you have to break through. That's cool. I want to know what, because they are purposefully not showing off hacking. Well, yeah. And you've said, you've been looking into some like German podcast stuff. (laughs) Yeah. um, Where they um, seem to have said it's like a fantasy thing. Mm. So it sounds like to me when you plug yourself into the Netscape or whatever you know cyberspace is called in Cyberpunk <laughs> Netscape Navigator, yeah, yes, of course, <laughs> yeah, AOL it keywords. Sound- <laughs> it sounds like it's going to represent those elements in fantasy sort of designs. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I know that you can do is you can summon demons, which I guess <laughs> is the the equivalent of you 
let's say summoning something out of digital code to break through a firewall i can literally rad. only imagine the mailer demon that you get back <laughs> when you get a bounce back email hate that so yeah i want to see that i say that has been that came up through gamestar who um i've worked out through contacts of contacts are very well connected to they've got good relationships with um cd projects mm. so i from what i can guess that is probably what we're going to be seeing on the horizon i have cool. reason to believe that they've got that right yeah so, so yeah i think that's going to be there's got to be a night city wide dedicated to hacking it's it's a core pillar of the game mm. and it's it, based on how we know cyberpunk hacking works in other games and other books it's gonna have something really cool about it yeah well they've that done they, they ended that was it the last gameplay section where you're about to go into cyberspace yeah. and then they just cut there um <laughs> so i'm assuming there's something beyond that that they don't want to show yeah uh i feel like that's enough cyberpunk now uh let's talk about a game that i th- has been unfortunately <laughs> close to cyberpunk throughout its entire life <laughs> life cycle so far except now that it's no longer in the same release month uh marvel's avengers from crystal dynamics we saw this war table stream um which essentially i think more than anything else was designed to tell people what the fuck the game actually is because we've actually had on the press side had quite a good idea of it since gamescom last year yeah. where they did a presentation that literally just broke it down because no one understood it and they were just like look here's what it is here's how it plays play the tutorial and know that it doesn't feel as shit as it looked (laughs) uh and here's the difference between story and co-op and this felt like a stream version of that with a bit more story thrown in as well um personally like I'm still quite excited for this game. I've seen mm. like mixed reactions. Um, it obviously doesn't hold up well when it's the same week that everyone's playing Last of Us 2 and everyone's watching <laughs> Cyberpunk streams. Like It is not as nice looking a game as those things, but it is aiming to be something very different. But like, how did you two come out of it feeling? It's my jam, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we know I love Marvel and... Yeah. They're this. still pretending you won't get to play Cap, Matt. I know, right? I, how is this? How, how are they still doing this? They, <laughs> they announced the game saying that one of the playable characters is Cap, and then every bit of marketing <laughs> since is like, oh, he's dead. Died in a reactor, mate. There's yeah. nothing you can do. They put a statue up to him. <laughs> and obviously so Captain America dies real easy. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <it's>, uh... <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, but yeah, I, I think what they showed in War Table, like, it's less to do with the structure of the game, because I think I was already into the idea of it being a Tomb Raider game that you played as a superhero in, but on the side, there mm. were all these missions that I could play with my mates. Mm. And obviously I quite like Destiny, so I'm into that. But I liked seeing how I can build a character because that's the, the interesting thing about Marvel is Spider-Man works so well because that game just has to worry about Spider-Man and it's not got any RPG element to it really. You mm. upgrade what he can do so that he's better at those core things. Yeah. Sorry, I just dropped a pen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But from the very start of that game, you can pretty much do everything that Spider-Man, you want Spider-Man to do, right? Whereas Avengers seems much more based around you start with these little core abilities and then you grow them and grow them into which version of that comic book character did you read those comics and go, I want to do that. Mm. And you find 
those upgrades and you build around that. Yeah. I love the idea of building one of the things that was great about the Iron Man footage was seeing him use the the lasers to do like a spin mm. around him. Mm. Well, that's the laser that he uses to cut um, you know, in the original Avengers film, you see him cutting um, some stuff underwater to mm. like break a section <laughs> open. It's like it's those lasers turned into offensive weapons. Yeah, yeah. I want to use that, and then I can put <laughs> gamma rays in them. Like, well, that's, that's so. Cool. That's what really excites. Like, like you say, you're coming at that from like a story fan perspective of like fantasy fulfillment. Mm-hmm. For me, I've got the same feeling, but it's more just this like the breadth to which they're talking about these things working and like the thing that really gets me is the fucking shrink ray like the thing (laughs) that the shrink ray suggests to me and i don't know if it's going to go beyond this but this idea of status effects that aren't like he froze he burned he got acid yeah yeah yeah. like messing with stuff in a more fundamental way sounds super exciting to me and i love the idea that i could um i don't know put new bones in hulk's hands that make people (laughs) shrink like that's fucking hilarious what a strange idea um and so i'm super into that i'm also like so we've just started um an ign first that uh jonathan dornbush has gone and played much more of the game than um was seen in that war table stream and one thing he came back with pointing out was that war table stream points out um your ability screen and it showed for thor melee ranged intrinsic abilities and intrinsic overcharge whatever the fuck that is but it sounds like <laughs> melee ranged passive and then something else that's to do yeah. with the passives what he points out is that there is a second tier of upgrades that are more delineated where you start like messing with the fundamentals of those things and go in different directions and like the level to which that customization customization sounds like it goes really interests me. I love the idea of building, I don't know, like a Hulk that's built completely around just chucking rocks at people. <laughs> or like, you know, like just building weird versions of those characters. It's a slightly odd um, tangent, but part of the Summer of Gaming stuff yesterday, we had an interview with the guy making Torchlight. And he was asked who his main... Uh, Torchlight 3. And he was asked who his main was in the game. And what he said was, I don't really play mains. What I do is I'll take a character and then I'll build entirely the wrong class for them. <laughs> like everything that everyone normally picks, I don't pick it and I pick all the stuff they don't and I see how it works. That's and wicked. Like, I love the idea of being able to do that with an Avenger. And like, I don't know, build a Thor who just doesn't use Mjolnir. He's just like, fuck <laughs> yeah. it. I, like, I'm way better at punching people and kicking. <laughs> like, or flying around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like... Mm. something about that really interests me and i'm super excited by the idea of it, if what they're hinting at is true i love the idea that i can can build like some freakish versions yeah. of the avengers that we haven't seen before mm. yeah it's like you say you're building a ranged hulk yeah <laughs> and it's Sounds all wicked. about being able to tear bits of the because we know we can do the bit where he pulls concrete up yeah and chucks yeah it. all that stuff like, building all of that but it's concrete that's covered in pin particles so when you chuck it as bosses yeah. they shrink <laughs> i don't know like how far we can take that and i imagine probably yeah. bosses are normally immune yeah. to status effects Most aren't likely. they but yeah the idea of taking down you know chunky enemies by shrinking them and booting them off the side of like <laughs> yeah. the empire state building it's or something because that's the superhero stuff that like you kind of think about it's like oh well what if they did like in comics when they do stuff because they have the freedom of like total imagination, whereas yeah. games can't often often offer the same thing, or films for that matter. Um, yeah, I love the idea of being able to mess about with that. Um, I also like 
I think it's really suffered from the Destiny comparisons, even though a lot of them are apt, because I think people still expect this to be a game where you can play everything with everyone. When yeah. actually it's two games that are much more seamlessly stuck together, essentially. Um, I like the idea that these co-op missions are essentially set in between story moments. They still help you in the story with your characters. Like You could yeah. go and play. If you know you've got a hard Thor mission coming up, you go and level, essentially grind with Thor to make him more <laughs> interesting in a different Warzone mission. Like, yeah. There's something fun about that idea that I could just mainline the campaign first and know the story, and then I can go and play it with my friends. Or I can really fuck around and, like build something strange and then carry on the the story with it i think like there's a lot to be excited for me and mm. i think it's fair that people are like slightly um not sold on the the look of the game in particular and maybe yeah. like, i've certainly seen like very actiony people saying the action looks a bit clunky but it is ultimately a co-op online game which has very different needs for how action works you yeah. know there's a reason destiny's projectiles work the way they do and it's because it's a <laughs> shared world game you know yeah. um mm-hmm. i'm, I'm excited also, to see how it works yeah, yeah. Uh, also in terms of the action combat designer is the combat designer from god of war yeah yeah he so that gives you a lot of faith anywhere <laughs> pardon gives you a lot of faith especially when you're playing as thor and using that hammer <laughs> yeah absolutely and we can see the the direct influences there but he's not gonna have that like the project almost certainly doesn't have the money that god of war did yeah because it's not a first party sony game but i have a lot of faith in that it's also it, it's crystal dynamic so i'm expecting the the feel to be closer to tomb raider i should point mm. out i think rise of the tomb raider one of the best games i've ever played i adore that game yeah and so the especially the the things that they can bring over from that, I think the cutscenes in this game look great. Like, yeah. I really think they've captured the. I think for I know there's a lot of people that have the oh they look like the B team Avengers or the Saturday Night Live <laughs> couldn't have that, but I don't know. Like maybe I'm just a bit more used to seeing these characters portrayed in lots of different ways. Mm. Yeah, especially and, if you're a fan of the have. comics as well, because like I mean, source material is key. Right, and there's so much to draw back from. I mean, even in, during the stream as well, they said like just even customizing your character. Everyone's seen the kind of vanilla look that the trailers have gone for, whilst everyone looks fairly uniform. But you can go for an Iron Man that looks like he's from Superior Iron Man to Invincible Iron Man. Like it's your yeah. choice how you want to make him look, and that's also, what gets me really excited. There's a shot in that trailer that if you look in the background, they're all wearing mad costumes. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely looks like Hulk is wearing Iron Man trousers <laughs> with an arc reactor as a belt. It's fucking jokes like yeah. i want to know what that is um yeah I think, I think- it's it's easy to you know someone to grab like a low quality screenshot post it on twitter and like you know take the piss out of one how these characters look and stuff but really when you just take some time to actually watch it and think of how you're going to customize your own avengers like it's it has to be worthwhile it's going to be fun obviously i'm sad i have to wait long for cyberpunk <laughs> but genuinely i'm quite happy that one is out of the way of the other because i know yeah i feel like i'm gonna end up sinking quite a lot of time into both and mm-hmm. i think that's really exciting also the idea that cyberpunk might come out when i have a next-gen console so i'm Oof. sure that my ps4 pro won't explode um would be oh, quite yeah. nice so yeah. that's quite good yeah, i say that that way that it's panned out is great i also hope that like we haven't been playing a lot of games at lunch recently i'm hoping kind of like avengers might kickstart us back into playing together avengers really looks like a lunchtime game to me like it's got that vibe um yeah i'm i'm into that uh i've also been watching some shows on the old (laughs) netflix it's the service that everyone and your mother loves um (laughs) 
this is my section shows Joe is halfway through watching. Uh, <laughs> one is the third series of The Sinner. Have, the, have either of you watched The Sinner up until now? No, no I haven't heard anything about other than is is it similar to Mindhunter? Because I know that it's a detective show, right? It's it's yeah, it's a detective show. It's not similar to Mindhunter in structure, maybe in like vibe. It's very grim, mm. um, and it, it does an interesting thing where you essentially know the crime and who did it from the start of every series. the The mystery is in finding out why the fuck they did it, like yeah. what drove them to these moments and uh as you haven't seen it, i'm not going to spoil it because i think it's quite good but mm. series one deals a lot with like trauma and um mental illness and ptsd and how those things can funnel into an act of violence right uh, the second is more of like a mystery around like a community almost and the okay. third one feels closer to the first one again it's essentially it's set up as nice man works in a school he's super cool with all the kids i thought it was going to be a big pedo thing it's not as far as i can tell um he's like set up as basically like handsome young man and then one night him and his pregnant wife are at home and then his best mate from college turns up on their doorstep and something seems wrong and at the end of the night the two men have been involved in a car crash. The man who came to his door is dead. And it mm. seems very clear that while he may not have done it on purpose, he certainly let the other guy die. Right, and then okay. so the rest of the series is basically in working out why the fuck he would ever have done that. Um, what I really love about The Sinner is that the only connection between these series is the detective, who is Harry Ambrose, played by Bill Pullman. And Bill Pullman's performance is so weird... Um, like in a good like not in a he's doing something weird in a wrong way like yeah yeah he plays a guy who is very clearly on the spectrum but not in a uncomfortable or like he just plays a man who is very very bad at social interactions right but is also like deeply sad about that so there are so many scenes where he just can't you can tell he wants to react to someone in a normal way and he just doesn't have the facilities for it and he looks super uncomfortable about it. And it lends this like weird vibe because the hero of the story is a guy you know wouldn't like talking to you, which right. is not... You, you, it's hard to like get on his level. Is it um, a bit of a, a... Have you watched Hannibal? Yeah. Is it a bit of like Will Graham? Because Will Graham obviously just... Can't, and he knows that he can think like a serial killer, so distances himself from everyone. He's it's less. Um, I really I like. I fucking love Hannibal so much, but I think yeah. it's a more subtle performance than Will mm-hmm. Graham. Like Will Graham is very like. I distance myself because I think I might be a bad man. Whereas yeah. Bill Pullman's character is just like, just deeply unable to talk to people properly and it constantly gets him into trouble because he's such a good detective but every time he's talking to someone he just makes them feel really shit it's so strange like um but i think it's like and it's also really sad so you you end up kind of loving him despite the things he's doing right it's quite hard to explain i've not seen another certainly not another detective performance like it because you often get like troubled detectives but i've certainly not seen someone who's just like in the latest episode I watch, he gets like a package and somehow he makes getting a package like 
the most uncomfortable thing. Like someone hands it to him and he looks really fucking confused about it and just like stuffs it under a desk and then someone says hello and he's like, and it's this bizarre, like weird reaction to receiving a parcel. And yeah. like even and the fact that that scene is stuck in my head, I think, says something about it. I think it's really cool. Um I think this season is perhaps trading a bit too much on the storyline of the first one. Like there's some very both at both of these two series for some reason revolve extremely strongly around a single piece of music and in the first series that was incredibly effective and in the second one I'm like uh, the third series I'm like why are you doing this again because that was the cool thing in the first one anyway yeah um, I think it's very good it's worth watching I think it's currently all on Netflix in the UK uh, the other thing I'm watching where not everything is on Netflix is Snowpiercer <laughs> which is quite odd um, this, this is based on the film Right, or well, it's based on the film, but it's nothing like the film. Because I haven't seen the film, it, and whenever I've heard stuff about it, I've always thought it was a bit of a meme. But apparently, it's quite a good film. Like it's director Bong, of yeah, course, it's <laughs> yeah. Parasite Man. Because um, like, so the original Snowpiercer is a French graphic novel or comic book series. I can't remember which way around it was. Right. Um, that is about. Uh, a world in which uh, ecological collapse has led to everything being frozen and the only people left alive that we know of are in a uh, perpetual motion machine train with a thousand and one cars. Um, (laughs) And it is separated into train classes. It's a a very transparent metaphor, but it's quite an effective one. Yeah. First class, second class, third class, and then I can't remember if... Oh, yeah, it is the same in all of them. Um, you have tailies, who are people who essentially stowed away on the train before it set off and have been segregated from society. They're like, you know, outcasts, essentially. Mm. Um, and they're kept alive only because, you know, it's <laughs> the decent thing to do, but they're given almost nothing. Right. Um, the Bong Joon-ho film is like a quite a broad satire in a lot of places. Like, it's an action film, ultimately, but... It's very strange and very over the top. Tilda Swinton plays like this bonkers (laughs) train announcer character. Right. Um, And it's quite funny in places. And it has like, um, there's a bit of like Wizard of Oz and there's a bit of like, like, it's almost like. Bioshock in there. Pardon? It's slightly Bioshocky as well. Yeah, it's Bioshocky. There's something like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to it. Like, it's like these overwhelmingly strange cars set next to each other so we'll walk from Mm. one completely different location into another and like it's all quite over the top the show is a police procedural set on this train essentially so right I mean, does, it, does it have the same character? Because I don't I, now. I don't know where to start. Because I saw it appear on Netflix, and now I'm conflicted as to whether I should watch either. the film. Like oh, okay. they are I'm not so missing. fundamentally separate that it does <laughs> right, not okay. Um, the show is like uh, it takes all those elements, but there has been a murder up train. I think in third class. I can't remember. And they realise that the only detective on the train out of the four thousand people is a tailey. So they bring him out and they force him to do work and then they try and you know there's coercion and like will he betray his class to live a better life blah 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 um it's quite fun it's quite interesting way of dealing with that stuff like there is a lot i like about it but there is some bizarre like um there's a lot of overacting and there is a lot (laughs) of uh weird stuff that they don't considering it's a tv show they do not go into enough mechanical detail about how any of this could be working like for instance this car is a thousand and one car this train is a thousand and one cars long 
Yeah. And there is this character, Melanie, who is the de facto voice of the train. She's the voice of the... Um, essentially, the guy who made the train, Mr. Wilford, has become a, a god substitute in this world. Everyone so praises like Mr. Wilford. <laughs> yeah, well, like all Wizard of Oz, basically. Yeah. Um, and she... She's the voice of God, essentially. She's fucking Peter on the Rock or whatever. And she can appear anywhere on this train at any time with no explanation. Like, between scenes, she will be between first class and third class. And you're like, that would take you hours. (laughs) It would take you hours to get here. I don't understand how they're not explaining how people are getting around this place. So no one ever comments on the fact that she can suddenly respawn behind you. (laughs) She's in so many scenes and she's just like, I genuinely spent a load of this series going, is the twist going to be she's triplets? Or, like, <laughs> something insane, because I can't work it Cloning. out. Cloning. And, like, so there's a really fun, like... Well, not fun, it's unpleasant, but, like, there's a very good <laughs> class metaphor stuff. There's a lot of, you know, thinking around this, this these issues and, like, how they'd be represented. And mm. there's some good sci-fi fun, and it's not... It's not, like, the most interesting procedural I've ever seen, but, like, there's a good mystery. And actually, it kind of... I'm six episodes in, which I think is as far as they've got, and the core mystery is kind of solved, and it's left, and it started turning into something else, which I think right. is quite cool. Like it's slightly Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's kind of like stopped and segued into something, a different story, and you're kind of left lurched, like, oh, right, I've been waiting for that to finish, and actually, that's like halfway through the fifth episode, and then it just turns into something else. I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, there, there are just like there's occasional nagging things where I'm just like, the "Fuck is going on? Why is any? What? Who? Who's not told me what's going on?" Yeah. Um, David Diggs, most famous for Hamilton, plays the lead, and he is one of the most effortlessly likable people I've ever seen. <laughs> like, even when he's doing horrible shit, I'm like, "God, David, you've got such a nice smile." Um, it's so. quite a good replacement. Not that it's a direct character replacement, but obviously Chris Evans is one of the most likable yeah. people in the world. So that's a good. <laughs> I like that parallel. But yeah, yeah it's I, certainly. If, I, I genuinely think it's actually more interesting if you've seen the film because I don't know how they got here. Right, um, like the jump because they specifically say it's based on the film, and I'm like, where <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. the art design the same? Um, sort of. Like it's, it's a lot more. I've only watched Snowpiercer once, and it was years ago. But yeah. to me, it feels a lot more muted, a lot more realistic. Like the thing I remember about the Snowpiercer film is being absolutely bowled like, over by how weird it was. Mm. Um, and not yeah, expecting the, that at say, all. The, the train car that's for the education car, mm. um, where which is, as you say, has that Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory look to it. It's very, very bright, flat colours. Yeah. Almost odd shapes in the <laughs> in the decor. Yeah, uh, actually, to be fair, like. that is quite quite similar in the in the um, in the show. Looking at pictures of it, but yeah, it's it's more how everyone acts like. Mm-hmm. Snowpiercer just the film had just these weird performances that felt like not hammy but like almost like purposely hammy like they were trying <laughs> to communicate something by being so weird mm. um, and scenery chewing whereas this is definitely a lot more um, prestige TV trying to you know have deep relationships and meaningful deaths and whatever um, but yeah it's 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 worth checking out. I don't think it's like the best thing on TV right now, but it's it's a fun thing. I'm really enjoying that we're getting 
a few shows now and then that are dropping weekly. Mm. Um, I like having something to look forward to in that way. <laughs> so it's cool. Yeah. Matt, you've got a show you want to talk about as well. Uh, yeah. Um, before I actually get onto that, I will say one of the other things I've been watching is recaps of what happened in season one and two of Dark because oh, it starts you, again this week. Can weekend. you link me to some because I need to do that before Saturday. <laughs> yeah. So there's an official one from Netflix which is done, which is pretty good, but it's narrated by Adam from the show. Oh, okay. Uh, and therefore it's in German, which means it's a lot to take in in 10 minutes. Yep. But IMDB do what's called the cheat sheet. Right. Um, oh. Which is quite a good and quite funny way of wrapping up incredibly complicated show yeah. yeah but i do feel pretty prepared for saturday god, now I so i cannot <laughs> wait for dark it's yeah so good uh, one of the best shows i think honestly ever made <laughs> i adore it is yeah. it on netflix but, uh, yeah yes it's on netflix, so i've been meaning yeah. i've been meaning to start it just wanted because it is it is a german show right so do you guys what mm-hmm. is it a dub or sub or do you just like watch i you watch it do you can do either i watch it subbed right okay fair enough um, i was just wondering like what was that might be the optimal experience Sub, but, yeah, fair I would enough. say sub. Like the the performances are fantastic, and they communicate a lot. I think you'd lose a bit in dub. Um, yeah, can imagine the and that's not just me. But I like sub dubs. <laughs> that's not just me being. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. The the thing I like about Dark the most is that it's maybe the best cast show I've ever seen. I don't. Oh, so they have good. people in multiple time periods, and I don't know how they found people who look so similar at different <laughs> ages. It is insane. It doesn't mm. make sense to me. I don't know if Germany's just like a much, well, I guess, yes, for some reasons, a much smaller gene pool, but um, there's a certain element where you're just like, oh my God, how have they found a boy and a man who are identical people? Um, yeah, it's very cool. But yeah, the other show that I've been watching, which has come as a massive surprise to me about how brilliant it is, is Harley Quinn, the animated DC show that is currently showing on E4 at the moment. Oh. Oh. So you can go and grab that from, from the All4 app, should you wish to use that slightly clunky piece of interface. <laughs> um, but the Harley Quinn TV show is, imagine the Batman animated series, very much made for adults. It is an adult cartoon with an awful lot of violence and an awful lot of use of the word fuck. Um, that's so use of the C word as well. That's so cool. That's the coolest <laughs> thing you can do. And that's the thing. So it's, I was slightly put off by about the first... 10 minutes of it because I thought it might be a bit try hard mm. right you know seeing Harley Quinn beat and the Joker beat the crap out of things so that there's all blood and bones coming out and just shouting fuck over and over <laughs> again at it is a bit like oh because so I don't really get on all that much with adult animation shows there's really only Archer I ever took to mm. um, so I was a bit like oh how are we going to go uh, and then I realised kind of what this show was gunning for and I was all in on it so it is basically what I wanted Birds of Prey to be. Okay. In the idea of Harley Quinn in the first episode very quickly realizes that the Joker is an abusive boyfriend. He is not a good guy. And it's sort of like about her moving in with Poison Ivy mm. and they're kind of flatmates. <laughs> and it's about Harley getting over the Joker, realizing her own self-worth and basically becoming her own supervillain. And so it's got almost like a Powerpuff Girlsy sort of element, but it's it's this mad violent thing Mm. but it brings so much from the dc universe together in these kind of much more modern takes where realizing that yes it's about harley building a supergroup and all of these people in it are dreadful people but i guess it's got a bit of always sunny in it to the (laughs) idea of it recognizes that these people are all horrendous okay but it works with the jokes and finds 
the little bits of you know nuggets of them that are actually nice that you can latch onto while never shying away from the fact that these people just want to burn Gotham to the ground. <laughs> um, but it also leans into the fact that it's a comedy, so it is incredibly funny. So one of the I can't remember laughing as much as the first time Bane turns up, and he speaks like Bane does in you know Tom Hardy's Bane. <laughs> oh, He's got yes, that please. Sort of voice. That's really cool. And oh, they do it so well. And um, so the Joker is voiced by Alan Tudyk. Oh, well, oh. nice. Um, Okay. And so he's got a great... He doesn't sound like Mark Hamill, which I like. He's got his own sort of approach to it. Yeah. Which I think is designed to to make him just a little bit more slimy so you realise that side of him. And the way that it explores one of my favourite things about the Joker is just his obsession with Batman mm. and the fact that actually he's in love with Batman, <laughs> but in a weird kind of, you know, he can't kill him because mm. of the obsession with him. Mm. Um Harley is voiced by Kaylee uh, Kuoko, so Penny oh, yeah, from, from the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, and it's like weird because you know, I don't particularly like the Big Bang Theory and had no sort of rating of that, but yeah. she is perfect as Harley Quinn. She's got that that mad bouncing that you you think back to like voices like Arlene Sorkin and Tara Strong who have done it, and it's got that. And it like I think um, Margot Robbie is a very good Harley Quinn, but this is the Harley Quinn that when I read those comics, I get. Mm. So, so there's that about it, uh, and it chooses interesting characters as well. Like King Shark is one of her her team. <laughs> uh, you've got Clayface is one of the team oh, as well, wicked. who's also voiced by Alan Tudyk. And the way that because Clayface obviously can change his body, they have him as basically a Shakespearean thespian. <laughs> um, so you get nice. a lot of jokes through that. Um, Tony Hale's in it as Doctor Psycho. Always good. Again, like a mad character from the side that we wouldn't typically expect. And I sort of like that we don't. I've, I've, I don't watch them so much anymore, but I used to quite like the CW stuff because it was an interesting way of seeing DC characters on screen. But I think because of the live action side, they have to be kept quite separate from the movie universes. Yeah. So you don't you don't really get as much of the big characters. Whereas this can just use Batman. When it wants Batman, Batman turns up because mm. it, it doesn't have to worry about the separation. Who plays Batman? Uh, let me find out who <laughs> plays Batman. Because he's not in it all that much, but when he turns up. Because there's one guy who's like consistently voiced Batman for years. Kevin Conroy, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, so it's not. It's Diedrich Bader, Ooh. who he, he, it looks like he's more of a voice sort of actor. But like there are plenty of like Lake Bell is Poison Ivy. Oh, okay. And so there are lots of people in it that are good and are very good at bringing the, the charisma of their characters and yeah, it's just it, it's just genuinely really funny, which I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah. While having this quite serious undertone to it, mm. it's about toxic relationships and it's about toxic friendships and about how you know Poison Ivy just wants what's right for Harley Quinn, but Harley Quinn doesn't realise that she just thinks that this is all about becoming a supervillain. Mm. And it's odd. It's one of the you know how um, the Good Place takes you on such an odd journey. Yeah. yeah. That, that has got much more drama to it than a comedy would suggest. It's kind of that for a for an animated show. That's cool. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> I really like it. That sounds really cool. I, sound I really literally cool. had no idea it existed. So that is a <laughs> fun thing. Uh, right. Let's play a bloody game. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got 
question for you. Hold at the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Matt, if right. you will. Yes, you guys played, was it last week or the week before that you played a game that was based around trophies and achievements? Yes, I did not play I, it, but I heard I, it. I was the winner, which yes. is uh, well done, something Jesse. that doesn't it, often what? happen. So I just wanted to give myself a shout out. Is that your first ever win? <laughs> I think it's like my third. <laughs> and I've been here for a year and five months. <laughs> oh, well, God. Let's see if we can bag you another one, Jesse. Yeah, that would so, be class. I've, I've actually remixed the formula slightly. <gasps> oh. So... Um, what we've got is I've got four games. Each has five trophies or achievements or Steam achievements. You know, fairly agnostic going across all the platforms. <laughs> and I've got both the name. But when I was listening to it, I found that maybe if I hadn't played those games, I wouldn't know based off the name of the trophy. So I've also given you what you have to achieve to get the trophy. Okay. Ah. Which made finding the games quite difficult when they don't have <laughs> achievement descriptions that don't just give away what the game was. Right, okay. Um, but four games, I think you've played all of them or would be aware of them. Cool. Mm. So I've tried to make work. So if you can get it on the first one, you get five points. If you can't get it and you end up on the last one, it's one point nice. in between. Brilliant. So first game, first achievement or trophy is hang time. Kill three enemies while you're on a ladder. Mm, I'm going to say Just Cause, one through four. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, no, <sighs> I can see why you've chosen both of those games, but no. Okay. okay. Uh, Any other bids? Oh, are we allowed we go to guess on? multiple times? I'll give you another go. Um, hang time, ladder. Fun pun on a ladder. What games let you shoot while you're on a ladder? That's unusual. That's actually quite tough. Wait. Jesse's ready. Are you having one of those moments, Jesse, where you're like, I've got this achievement. It looks like you're about to have a nosebleed. No, I swear, <laughs> like, it's so hot in here and my brain's working. Um, I swear I got this achievement like a few fucking months ago. Really? I swear to God I did. Okay. Moving on. Go to the next yeah. one, yeah. Next, next, next trophy or achievement or Steam achievement <laughs> is companion block. Only use one cinder block and bring it to the end. Half Life Two, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare, <laughs> the remake. It is Modern Warfare, <laughs> Jesse. Ah. That's it. I thought that was it was a a secret enough one. <laughs> Wait, so, what is it? Take a cinder block and put it. Yeah, somewhere. so there's one of the missions that is set when you play as Alex, where you can pick. I think you have to knock out. No, it's not when you play as Alex. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a stealth mission. It's when um, you're being escorted by someone else who knows the town and you're using cinder blocks to knock out enemies instead of your guns. Yeah. So if you take one cinder block and only use that and get it all the way to the end of the level. Nice. The other the other ones would have been uh, Driver's Ed, shoot the driver of the suicide's truck. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got something on your face, which is spit on Barkov. <laughs> which if you remember the bit where you're torturing Barkov and you can spit on him lovely uh, and then ah. the last one would have been trigger discipline do not injure any civilians in Piccadilly okay, oh, okay. that would have been a big one right game two the opener of the eighth seal warn them of the coming end eight times <laughs> oh. um, that sounds like some dragon age shit <laughs> um Elder Scrolls Oblivion. <laughs> Warn them of the coming end. 
Final Fantasy Twelve. It's like no. a game where you go around chatting to people about yeah, being Captain Bash von Ronsenberg, is it? <laughs> Pathologic Two. About... Pardon? Pathologic Two. No, Damn. that's okay. a good shout. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good shout. Right. Um... Next one. Enemy of the physical realm. Bang up five inanimate <laughs> objects. Bang up. What's the name of this one? Enemy of the Enemy physical of realm. Of the physical realm. Ooh. Mm. Seems like a Joe game. <laughs> <laughs> that implies that there's a non-physical realm to this game. Control. <laughs> it wouldn't be that, would it? No, it's not control. Warn them the coming end. All right, carry on. Yeah. All right. Okay. Wait. What? Mm, Divinity: Original Sin Two. No. Damn oh. it. No. I can see where you. There's a coming there, end. <laughs> yeah. And and the void woke and all yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Fairweather T five hundred vitreous enamel <laughs> suit up head to toe. Was that was that the title? Yeah, so so the title is Fairweather T five hundred Vitrous Enamel, and then the descriptor is Oh, oh, oh! It's um, Disco Elysium. It is Disco Elysium. Oh, right. Yes. I this was the one where I was like, I wasn't sure if to put it higher or not because I distinctly remember the Fairweather T five hundred, but it's because obviously that is a quest of its own, right? It's actually the enamel that got it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Game has fucking enamel armor. Jesus. Oh, yeah. The oh, one. Oh shit, it does. The next the next ones would have been uh unbelievably boring fuck. I would have say seven incredibly boring things. <laughs> and then one of my favorite achievements of all time, the world's most laughable centrist. <laughs> Defend the political center seven times. Jesus. Right. Next game. That's a knife. Perform an assassination on an enemy. I will note the assassination is spelt with a capital A. Oh. Um. Hitman Halo two. Three. <laughs> no. Uh. Call of Duty Warzone. No. Mm. Wait, how is it spelt? In terms of you said assassination, th- just with a capital A. Right. Take from Implying that what it you is will. A move. Uh, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Assassin's Creed Origins? Nope. Those are called assassinations. Next one then. Swap meat. Trade weapons with an AI ally in the campaign. Okay. Trade weapons? Is it a Halo? Halo 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5. Shit, that is something you can do. Or (laughs) ODST. Or Reach. Yes, Joe. Oh, yes. crap. <laughs> I was just letting it happen. What's wrong with me? God damn it. Suddenly, just going like, it's definitely a Halo, but how many Halo <laughs> bloody games are there? I was a bit concerned with this one, whether it would be that easy to get. Cause, uh, so assassination obviously is what they call yeah, yeah, in yeah. Reach, your backstabs. Yeah. Then the next one, the reason why I used Halo Reach is so 
I think the achievement that I've spent the longest trying to get is what I got as number three, which is if they came to hear me back, which is perform an assassination against an elite to survive a fall that would have been fatal. Oh, oh man. That fucking took me hours to get. I think I spent an entire day getting that. Jesus, dedicated. It would have been wake up Buttercup, which is destroy the Corvette's engines and escort in under three minutes in the sixth mission on heroic or harder, which... <laughs> And then Lucky Me, which is earn a triple kill while jetpacking in campaign, firefight, or matchmaking. And jetpacking is the is reach was when jetpacking was introduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so Joe got that at four points. Nice. Jesse, you've got a you've got a swing in hard here. I'm gonna do it, mate. You watch. <laughs> right. First trophy is or achievement or steam achievement is speed king obtain all time attack items together as one set wow what what the fuck is that game called <laughs> burn out paradise one, i was just about to say that but is that the answer no, oh thank god okay <laughs> all forza horizon item. 2 <laughs> i don't know um He's squinted. Forza Horizon 3, 4, or 1. <laughs> no, it's not. Not not got anything to do with the Forza series. Motorstorm Apocalypse. No. Nope. Did you say time attack items? Yeah. What the fuck? Speed King. Obtain all time attack items together as one set. That shit Mad Max game. <laughs> that was not a shit game. How dare you? It made me fall sick. asleep. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, yeah, I cannot think what that is. Yeah. Same. Okay, about to make it. This one almost feels like it might be harder, but I think there's a number in here that might mean something to you if, oh, if you know it. God. Speed Demon. Complete hard mode in under 5 hours, 41 minutes, and 28 seconds. It's not Resident Evil. No. No. 5 hours, 41 minutes, and what? 28? 28 seconds, yeah. That feels like a massive clue. The interesting thing about these is, so I didn't know about any of these achievements or trophies or speeds or, or Steam things before I was looking through this, which shows just there's a different side to this game that I didn't realise existed. Uh, okay. What was the first one again? Was that Speed? No, the Speed Demon. Speed King, okay. which is obtain all time attack items together as one set which I did not realise there were time attack items in this game, All so right. it shows that you probably need to just be a isn't bit deeper. a normal racing game. Then, Doom Eternal. No. Mm. Doom 2016. Right. <laughs> I'm going to move on. All right. Dormin's Rage. Use Dormin's Breath Attack. Oh, what the fuck is that? Ori and the Will of the Wisps? Nope. Shit. Isn't that... <laughs> Dormin's Breath? Shadow of the Colossus? Yes. There we go. Mm. There we go. God damn it. Yes. What have we got then? So Joe got a three and a four. Ooh. And then Jesse got a three and a four. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't bank on you. We need a tiebreaker. Um... I don't, I don't have a tiebreaker. Oh, I didn't, I didn't let's let's do the honourable thing and just, you know... Virtually shake hands, Joe, and say it was a good match. Oh, God, I didn't <laughs> want to see it. <laughs> Love it. All right. 
for anyone at home, Joe is reaching through his webcam to shake Jess's hand. Yeah, you're, you're both winners today. Oh, Look, it's good. a hot, horrible day. Take pride in it. Yeah, yes. why not? I like that game. I yeah, do more. it's wicked. Um, right, let's do some feedback because uh, mm. I'm warm. Um, I've <laughs> forgotten to put people's names on them. Jesse, you read the first one. This is feedback from Oscar PB. He says, hello, boys. How are you all doing? Going back a couple of weeks ago from the food combos, boy, do I have one. During quarantine, I've been eating pot noodles nearly (laughs) every day. I know it's sad, but I have been adding a little twist. Every time I eat one, I add a dollop of sweet and sour Chinese dipping sauce and drink it with a glass of semi-skimmed milk. For context, original curry pot noodle, just in case anyone wants to know. It might be strange. It might sound normal. I don't know. It just tastes good. Anyway, enjoyed the episode. As always, have a good week. That is bizarre. Like... Pot, curry pot noodle with some sweet and sour dipping sauce. I get that. Yeah. What's the milk adding? Like maybe the sweet and sour, like you know, adds that kind of heat that he's not accustomed to, so he you know brings sweet it down. And sour does not add heat for, for some no people. Pepper is too much for them. I'm not saying I'm one of those people, but you have those vanilla guys and girls my who just fav- can't handle it. <laughs> my favorite. He's already eating original curry pot noodle. <laughs> yeah. I'm fairly sure that's only. Like downgrading yeah. the spot. I'm sure I've I'm sure I've said this before, but uh, one of my favourite ever jokes is uh, Michael Owen finds vanilla ice cream too spicy, which is the best way of saying someone's boring that I've ever heard. Um, Fucking hell! But uh, yeah, the milk really throws me. I guess we've never really thought about food combos where you could have an unusual drink with it. Mm. I guess like I know I, at school I used to eat. Uh, when they let us out of the canteen and into the town, I would just buy a pack of uh, pre-cooked chicken drumsticks from Marks and Spencer and a big bottle of chocolate milk. So I guess that kind of falls into the same gross I had someone who did that in secondary school, but with the bacon rashes that you could just get that cooked. Oh, yeah, chocolate weird. milk. Yeah. It's so unlike normal bacon. Uh, actually, is my window open? No. Our, the neighbour across the road from me, right? The other day I was on the phone and I saw her drive up, park... She'd clearly been to the shops, and she just drank an entire carton of chocolate milk in her car before she got out of it to Jesus take her shopping Christ. in. Like, not even slowly, like, fucking chugged it in about three goes. <laughs> that is fucking I was fucking dead like, rising or something. Jesus what I Christ. love, I was just looking at it, I was like, that's fucking the balls on it just to be like I really want a chocolate milk but I do not want to share this with my family so I'm going to drink all of it now <laughs> not even see, a little bowl I need I did the see something thing. very bizarre yesterday my mate sent me a, a video she's uh, moving out of her place and she, there's a little balcony that's next to hers and she saw a neighbour take out a big tub of ice cream she starts scooping it with their hands like this Yes. Like using a hand scoop and just going in. I was like, you got to be brave to do that shit. People are savages when no one's looking. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Matt, why don't you read the next one? Yeah, we've got one in from Luke who says, Hi, gang. I hope you're all suitably cool this week with this lovely weather. No. I'm not Luke. I feel disgusting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I've watched some, but not all, of the DC Universe films. Not blown away, but not equally disappointed either. One of these films, one of the films that I haven't seen is the Justice League. And with all of the discussions around the Snyder Cut, my interest in seeing the film has returned. But which one should I see as my first time viewing? The, the, possi- the possibly more consistently toned new cut that might be a bit disjointed from the lack of new shot footage or the slightly wonkily toned original version. I intend to only watch it once. Choose wisely. 
Are there any cuts of films that you would recommend seeing for first time viewing over other cuts of the same film? Cheers from Luke. Uh, so- on your first point, I think if there's any chance that the Snyder Cut's going to be better than the original cut, just wait yeah. and watch the Snyder Cut. Like, yeah. give yourself the chance of watching something mm. better than Justice League. Isn't that going to be like four hours long, though? So he's deciding between like maybe a little time in his afternoon or an entire weekend. Is it like is, <laughs> what isn't Justice League nearly three hours long? I, That's I don't think it's a, yeah, or is it two, two and a half? It's, it's at least. Two oh no, but the Snyder cut, right? Like, isn't that going to oh, potentially yeah, yeah. be I'm like super long? I'm just not sure it's going to be an enormous difference as opposed yeah, to well, enough. maybe twice as long. But yeah, you know, you're right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If it comes out as a TV series, maybe just watch the original, get it over with. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Perhaps I'm being unfair again. Are there any (laughs) cuts you would recommend seeing for the first time viewing over other cuts? Uh, Blade Runner Final Cut is the one that springs to mind. Like, why bother? Um, (laughs) I just don't understand why you'd choose any other version of that film. Um, There aren't many films with, like, substantially different cuts that I can think Lord of the Rings is usually the one that people often bring up. Christ. As short a cut as you can find for that. Oh yeah, you're you're the freak who hates Lord of the Rings. Boring, on the wrong side boring of the fence. films. Oh. It's fine. Um, can still be friends. I, I <laughs> the um the director's cut of Aliens is very good oh. and adds a little extra in than than was in the theatrical cut. Right, okay, that's your. I think most people seem to actually have watched the director's cut, but that's got a lot more of the um. You know the sequence where they set up the smart guns yeah. in mm. the um, in the corridor. It's got a lot more of that. There's a lot more at the start, which gives you more context to Ripley. Okay. Um, I in general think that that the director's cut of that is better. I'm trying to think if there are any others that I've got that where like a director's or a, like a redone oh. later cut is. Isn't like Apocalypse Now one? has been cut like a million times. Oh yeah, Redux is the one I think that people yeah. like. So I think Redux is, is too long. It's too long. Yeah. yeah. Um, I watched uh, Manhunter the other day, the uh, the Michael, the Mann, Michael one. Mann one, the the version of Red Dragon that Michael Mann did before any of the Hopkins Hannibal films, um, and unwittingly watched the director's cut and thought that what I was watching was like fucked, but it turns <laughs> out the director's cut of that film, Michael Mann liked certain scenes so much, even though those scenes were never mastered in any way. So you oh, will, really? mid-scene, the audio and visual elements of that scene will completely change for, like, sentences and then switch back again. It is That's awful. Mad. Like, I don't care if he likes that version of the film more. It is a bad watching experience. It's, it's so it's strange. It's just reminded me, if you've never seen The Warriors, yeah, and mm-hmm. you're planning on watching it, do not watch the, like, unlit, the ultimate director's cut ever, because for some reason... They decided to add these like fucked up comic book transitions between most of the scenes where like the camera zooms out and it's like it's fucking really shit looking comic book style and then it zooms back into the next scene. Don't ever do it. Just watch the yeah, original. That sounds really poor. It sounds it is disgusting. That's a series of films. Right. <laughs> uh, this final piece is from John Summerfield. Hi, boys. Firstly, a bit of rampant speculation. But have Mm. any of you noticed... I think this is really interesting. I've not seen anyone else point this out. Have any of you noticed that the new Crash 4 trailer shows the titular bandicoot smashing his way back through time in a purple glass shard-like void, very similar to the footage we saw of Ratchet smashing through time and space in a purple glass shard-like void? He included some pictures that I couldn't include in the running order because it didn't work. (laughs) It's, like, nearly identical. It's really weird. 
Um, is this just a mad coincidence that two first-party PlayStation characters are flying through time and space in visually similar ways? Or are we finally going to get the PlayStation All-Stars kart racer crossover <laughs> that we deserve? His words, very much not my words, on PS5. Here's hoping Naughty Dog tweets out a picture of Jack behind the same purple glassy void. Uh, have either of you seen that? Have no, I missed like, I, I haven't seen the, the new, uh, uh, what's it called, fucking Crash, Crash trailer, trailer, but like... I've yeah, I know what he's talking about, but this could this be the new Avengers setup? Are we going to get really, Uncharted and Crash? It is like uncannily similar. <laughs> like I don't, I maybe like smashing through the void or whatever makes sense. But the fact that they are both like bright purple versions yeah. of the same thing is quite strange. Could just be a big coincidence. I'm I'm genuinely going to go and ask some developers. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I thought I thought that was quite fun. Secondly, he says. There's been so much talk about what we call ice pops and nothing about our favourite ice treats. Does anyone remember Nestle's Bugs Life Bug Pops? I did not remember these. They are a lime base, like a lime ice base, uh, with a jelly bug filled lemon top. Yes. Tangy and I remember this. He says tangy and fresh on a hot afternoon with a delicious (laughs) chewy sweet treat inside. Uh, On the chocolatey side, you can't beat a Mars bar ice cream. I agree. Mars bar ice creams are underrated they're wicked um hmm. i don't remember bug pops at all but they sound great no. yeah they were you know the um the round tree the nestle round trees like oh, the fruit pastel i really lollies. hate those lollies but yes imagine something that looks a little <laughs> bit like that but there were um like jelly spiders <laughs> and, and creepy crawlies in the, like in the ice it's that like a cool. it's like a gummy version of a feast like a, with sweets mm. inside your ice cream um mm. You don't seem um. convinced by that. <laughs> it's obviously a very different construction, but yeah, yeah the idea of biting through and getting something on yeah. the inside. What was the um, yeah. what's the name of those like cones with a little bubblegum ball at the bottom? Oh, they're oh, great. Screwballs? Screwballs, yeah. They're That's dope. why I don't remember the name, because people would have said it to me as my name. <laughs> do you, do you um, remember the uh, ice cream that's shaped like a foot? Yes. yes. Was they just called Funky, funky Foots? Feet. It's Funny Foots. Funky Foots. Foot, funky Feet. Fucking hell. Come on, Scrabbles. Scrabbles. Um, yeah. Oh, man, I want an ice cream so bad. I had a mm. um, uh, Magnum Double Caramel the other day, reminded Ooh. that that is the greatest ice cream of all time. Unbelievable piece of equipment. I love it. <laughs> um, if you've got a favourite ice cream, you can send it to us if you like. We might read it out if you say something interesting enough about it. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. That is all the time we have this week because we've gone on for bloody ages and I want to eat lunch. Um, <laughs> I've had a lovely time. I hope you both have. And I hope Absolutely. the listeners have too. Oh, we've got to choose a song. What are we going to suit? choose? Have we said any fun songs? Yeah. Uh, we talked about... Cyberpunk, Avengers, Sinner. Do any ice creams uh, or ice pops have any like themes to them? Like any sick advert <laughs> tunes that we can throw in? <laughs> I have no idea, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, I've never thought research about ice cream theme tunes before. <laughs> uh, we don't want to play any of the songs from the Sinner because they're really upsetting when you know the context <laughs> for them. Uh, oh, God. Cyberpunk. Oh, we can play one of the refused songs that's on YouTube. Samurai, we'll give you a little taste of the cyberpunk life and what Keanu Reeves will be (laughs) shouting at you at some point. Brilliant. Uh, That's that. Anyway, bye. Bye. See ya.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.